Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Hey, welcome. It's great to have you guys here. Hey, today we're doing something a bit different. Um, one of the things that we run as a church is School of Leadership. And this year we ran School of Leadership 2.0. Donna, you're done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we ran School Leadership 2.0, which was the light version. And in that this year, we, um, there is one of the nights is we ask people to put together a talk. And I give them some real clear instructions now around how we want it put together. And Mel and Dave and Hannah are going to be speaking today the message that they put together as part of School Leadership. So that I've, been given them, I've given them seven minutes each. Seven minutes each. Did I, did, I, did I say seven minutes each? Seven minutes each. Seven minutes each. And Mel's going to go first, and then after Mel is going to be Dave, and then Hannah. Can we pray for these guys? And this will be a blessing to you. Father, I want to thank you for this moment in time, this, this day that we are here. Not by accident, but this is the day that you have made, and you've put us here, God, for a purpose to hear these messages, to worship you, to encounter community. Father, we pray that you would speak to us. Give Dave, Mel, and Hannah all that they need to preach a message today. And Father, get us ready for what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome Melody, yeah? Welcome, Melody. Hi, everybody. For those who don't know me, Nathan has introduced me. My name is Melody, and I am married to David, who's up next. And I have three kids, Savannah, Jack, and Cooper. Excellent. I also have a sister. Her name is Amira Faith. She is four years younger than me. Don't have a clicker. Don't have a clicker? That's okay. I have a sister. She's four years younger than me. And no. Okay. Is my seven minutes going? Ah, that's our year 12 picture. Now, I think the only one who looks like they want to be in the picture is my mum. She was the one. She was a teacher's aide at the time. Yeah, so that's my baby sister, Mizzy. I call her Mizzy. So for today's references, her name is Mizzy because her name is Amira Faith. This is a picture of, no, this way. Now, this picture is absolutely unnecessary, but I thought, who doesn't want to see a picture of Dave in 2001 in a Tigger hat at Disneyland, right? So <laughs> that's my sister, Miz, and that's Dave, and that's just because I can, let's be honest. So, <laughs> and he's up next, so it's kind of my job. So um, my job description from the minute my sister was born until about 30 was getting her out of trouble. Um, if I had a resume and it would say previous job, it would have been said rescuing sister from disaster. I have spent my life getting my sister out of trouble. Um, I'm going to tell you two quick stories about that. So the first one was when she was a teenager. I think she was about 17. She went to a summer camp in America and it ended up being a cult, unfortunately, for her. And she calls me up in this panic, Mel, 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 I think they're not letting me make phone calls well. I've spent my life getting her out of trouble, so I didn't pay much attention. By phone call two, I'm like, hmm, this is really, really serious. By phone call three, I'm like, okay, Ms, stay still, I'm coming to get you. The middle of the night, Dave and I drove, it was upstate New York in the woods. We said, pack your bags, don't move, hide, I'm coming to get you. Got there in the middle of the night, we got her in the car and we zoomed out of there. It was actually a serious situation in the end. The second one was she was going for a drive. She was going overseas, and guess what she forgot? Yeah, passport. Mel, 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 Millie, 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 I've forgotten my passport. Okay, Mizzy, don't worry, I'll drop off your passport. So this one, I went to the airport, I gave her a passport, I gave her the tools 
to keep going. We all need rescuing at some point. God has constantly rescued us. He rescues us in many, many different ways. But today, for the next minute or two, I'm going to talk about two ways that God rescues us that I have personally experienced him rescuing us. Um, He rescues us the first way by saying, um, hey, stand still, I'm coming for you. He says, I'm, I'm, in, um, I'm listening through um, Leviticus at the moment, and this, I've been loving this passage in Exodus, and it says, but Moses, yeah, no. Oh, here we are. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So the first way God is saying, hey, hey, seriously, stop it. Stop moving. Stay put. God is fighting for you. He will never stop marching to reach you and rescue you. He is going to stay, but he's like, could you just stop? Stop trying to circumnavigate your circumstances. Just stop and let me do my thing. That is the first way that I feel that God rescues us. The second way that um, God rescues us is by giving us the tools. So he has said the This way, in Deuteronomy, he says, For the Lord your God is going with you. He's not doing it for you. He's going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies. In Isaiah, he says that he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Just like I said to my sister, Hey, I'm going to give you the tools to keep going. God has said, Hey, I'm not actually going to change your circumstances. What I'm going to do is change you. So what I'm going to do is I'm not asking you to stay still. I'm not coming in and fixing this for you because it's out of your control. What I'm going to do is change you because you need to be changed so you can be a better, so you can be more like me and you have the strength and the ability to do what I want you to do. So then you're here thinking, okay, that's great, Mel. Thank you so much. I love that. But what action do I take? (laughs) What do I know? How do I know what God is wanting me to do? Well, thank you so much for asking. That is a great question. And I feel that that is actually the crux of the matter. We have a tendency, because we are humans, to mainly come to God when we need rescuing, when we are invaded by chaos and panic. But it's actually kind of hard to know what God's voice sounds like to us when we are surrounded by adrenaline. I may be speaking from experience. And all we can hear in our heads is fear. But what we need to be doing is coming to him in our peace, in our calm, in our ordinary everyday lives and learning how he speaks to us, learning what his voice sounds like to us. And it's different for everybody. For me, it is mainly through intuition when I'm listening to music or I've actually audibly heard God's voice. But it is very different for everybody. But you will not know what that is if you haven't asked him, if you haven't practiced, if you haven't spent time for that. So if you haven't practiced and spent time learning, by the time the panic and the chaos hits, (laughs) it's hard to discern what his voice is and what our knee-jerk reaction is. It takes time to learn. And if you don't know how God speaks to you, that's okay. Start today. Say to God, hey, how do you speak to me? Spend the time, put the effort in and say, God, speak to me. Let me learn now, every day, what your voice sounds like to to me. Because I promise you, when you need rescuing, 
and asking for his direction. If you have spent time learning his voice, you will know how he speaks to you. You will hear his voice (laughs) above the chaos and will know what action to take. Do you wait and be still for him to come and rescue you? Or do you fight knowing that he will give you the tools you need to keep going? Thank you. And I'm going to introduce Dave. Good morning. How are we all this morning? My name is Dave. I attend here at LifeGate. And I... And throughout the week, I am outside in the barbecue. That's my, that's my little job, and our family is very busy with that. And as I was thinking back to my high school days, uh, being a barbecue pitmaster was the furthest thing <laughs> on my mind of what I would end up becoming. Think back to when you were in high school and you were planning out your life in great detail. What was it that you were thinking you would become? What did you think you were going to have as your job? I wonder... Are you, are you actually doing that? Is that, uh, hands up, who actually is doing what they dreamed they were going to, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, that's about right, hey. Most of us don't. And what happens is we go through life and God sort of changes. He has plans and he takes us along in a different path. Um, and it's awesome that for those six of you who, uh, you got it right. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, for our story today, it's about the story of Saul and his conversion. And I'll give you a quick backstory on him. Uh, he was on his way to becoming a, a religious political leader in, in the Sanhedrin, one of the, one of the highest, that was his plan, was to become in the, in the top echelon of the leadership in, in Jerusalem. And so his way was he, was, he really thought the best thing to honor God is to go and hunt down these new Christians and to arrest them and have them tried and killed. So he, he got authority to go up to Damascus out of the Jerusalem area, and he was going to go find more Christians, round them up, and take them back to Jerusalem and get them in trouble. And along his way, God reaches out, and, and Saul encounters Jesus. And it radically transforms him. And through the process, he, he is blinded physically, and I think he starts to realize, oh my word, I was doing the best that I could, but it was so wrong. <laughs> and for three days, he's in Damascus blind, and he's searching, God, what's, what's the right path? Where do I go now? And so God reaches out to another, another Christian there in Damascus named Ananias and says, I want you to go to this guy's soul, and I want you to pray for him, get his sight back, and uh, give him this message. And, of course, Ananias was very uh, reluctant to go because he knew, he knew all about Saul. So here, here is what, um, here was the message that God gave to Ananias. Well, the Lord said, for Saul, hang on. There we go, okay. For the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, we might read this and just kind of gloss over it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this actually happened. If you, if you go through the story of Acts and you see how Saul is changed into Paul, he actually lived this out. 
He went to the Gentiles and not just like had a, a quick chat. He, he, his whole life was preaching to Gentiles and, and helping them see that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one true God. He went before several kings, including the emperor of the Roman Empire, preaching about Jesus and to the people of Israel. And let me tell you, he suffered. That might have been uh, one of the sweeteners of the deal for Ananias. We'll, we'll make sure that the Saul gets his suffering. <laughs> Who knows? Can you click again for me? This isn't working for me. There we go. Next one. There we go. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain, regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And let me tell you, from this point on, Saul was radically transformed. Radically transformed. This, this transformation was started off with him. He was going to become a religious political leader. And suddenly his job in the end was to be a tent maker. That's how he made his money. So it, it's not really about what you do to earn your money, but it's about who you are. What are you doing in God's kingdom? There we go. He went from persecuting Christians to preaching to kings. Disrupting churches all over the place to planting them across the whole Roman Empire. And he ended up writing more of the New Testament than anyone else. So how did this happen? It was when he encountered Jesus. He encountered Jesus... And he received this prophetic word from Ananias. And it wasn't just a once-off moment in his life. As you read through the book of Acts, this happened again and again and again, where he kept encountering Jesus, coming to where Jesus was, sitting with him, like Mel was saying, listening to his voice. And sometimes God would give him a word, other times other people would give him a word, and that was what guided him through, through his life. And he ended up having an extraordinary life. And this is what... I want to bring it back to us. People, uh, people out there they, who aren't yet following Jesus, sometimes they might think of Christians as those who just are really needy people, you know, and, and they, they need Jesus like a crutch. But what I also like to help people see is that Jesus is going to help you transform from just doing an ordinary life to the extraordinary, like Paul. I think, I think one of the things that we all face here is that this danger of being ordinary. Just doing life the best that you can. Just going on and thinking, yeah, I think that's a good way. I'll, I'll do that. That's, I think everyone out there, for the most part, that's, that's their way. I'm just going to do the best that I can. That's ordinary. Where God calls us to be extraordinary. And how does that happen? When you are encountering Jesus. And when you are, when you are getting the, the prophetic word for you from him for your life, and you're living that out. Encounter him. So my last question is to you, what, what would happen? What would, what would God's kingdom look like? What would the church of Jesus look like if we were doing that? And can you imagine if you went beyond that one step to be like Ananias, who took, took his thought off of himself for a second and, and thought, oh, here's this young guy, Saul. 
I'm going to give him this word that God gave to me. I'm going to step out in courage. I'm going to share this word. And who knows? Who knows? It might change his life. You think about Adonis. Back then, he didn't know any of the potential of, of Saul. But he took that step of faith and obedience. He said the word. And he helped Saul to become an extraordinary, extraordinary man who changed this world forever. Ordinary or extraordinary? It's up to you. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. Check in. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm Hannah. If you don't know me, um, I've been here at LifeGate for 10 years. I love serving as a singer down in kids' ministry. I'm married to Mark. I've got lots of beautiful children. And here today, I'm going to be sh- asking you a question. Where do you find your worth? That's my question for you today. Today, I'm going to share with you a bit of my journey of learning to find my worth in God's truth. When I was a child, I struggled to make friends and I was very lonely. I was a chubby, dorky kid with fluffy hair and bad knees. Due to the problems with my knees, the specialist said that I was not allowed to run, hop, skip, jump, uh, sit cross-legged or participate in any sport that involved pivoting, which basically means all of them. So I struggled a bit with my weight, and when I was in year five and year years five and six, the doctor performed major surgery on both of my knees. One day he told me to strip down to my underwear and weigh myself, and he disdainfully looked at me and said, "She's a bit overweight, isn't she?" Every time I looked in the mirror, his words became my own words. I felt disappointed and disgusted even. You're too fat to be beautiful, I told myself time and time again. Even as I got taller and slimmer, whenever I looked in the mirror, I still saw my chubby 11-year-old self looking back at me and nothing else. As I compared myself to girls at school and women on TV, I felt like I didn't match up to their standards of perfection and I nitpicked at all of my faults, my double chin, my tuck shop lady arms and all the different things that were wrong with me. When I considered auditioning for a musical theatre program, I told myself, there are a thousand girls who are prettier and more beautiful and skinny than you and they're better singers, so why would you even try? Even as I got married and I had my lovely husband telling me every day that he thought I was beautiful, I didn't believe him. And I felt miserable on my wedding day, knowing that everyone was looking at me. I think that we all have areas of our lives where we can struggle with our identity and our self-worth. For you, it might be around your career. Perhaps you haven't scaled the ladder the way you wanted or might not be doing the career that you wanted to do when you were young. Perhaps it hasn't taken off the way you dreamed it would, you've had a failed business or it's just you're just making ends meet and you can't take those overseas holidays you dreamed of or bought the home of your dreams. 
Maybe you feel like you aren't providing for your family enough or that as a stay-at-home parent, you aren't doing enough to contribute to society. Maybe you're growing older and there's the temptation to resort to cosmetic procedures to wind back the clock or you feel that society no longer sees you or values you the way it used to. Today, I want to encourage you to challenge these mindsets by thinking about where God wants you to find your worth. I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which tells us how to establish our self-worth in Christ. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. When we break down this verse, I believe there are three steps that stand out. Number one, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Number two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And number three, live according to God's will for your life. So, let's start with number one. What are the patterns of this world? The world tells us to do what makes us happy, no matter what the cost. Whatever you dream of, whatever you want to do, be, or look like, you can have it if you can afford the price tag. The world measures success by how many followers you have, how many countries you've traveled to, how much money you make, by what you own, and by how you look. But worldly standards of beauty and perfection do not align with God's standards. So it's time to reject the patterns of this world. How can we be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Is there an area where you feel despondent or stuck? You can seek out counseling, which is a wonderful way to get support and explore your mindsets and challenge your thinking. But you can also renew your mind by reading the scriptures and standing on God's truth. Over the years, people encouraged me to challenge my negative self-esteem by standing in front of the mirror and saying, I'm beautiful, I'm gorgeous. But how could I say those things to myself when I didn't believe them? People would say, stop believing lies about yourself. And I would think, but it's not a lie if I believe it is true. The problem with these statements is that they had no basis. But if I believe the Bible, I believe that this is God's truth, well, then I have to believe what he says about me. God tells me that I am good enough. He tells me that I'm his workmanship, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I am chosen, that I am dearly loved child, that beauty does not come from the outside, but it comes from within, from the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. These are God's truths. And when we renew our minds by speaking them aloud and meditating on them, our mindsets, our sense of worth can be transformed. Another way to renew your mind is through prayer. Late last year, I experienced some life-changing prayer right here in this room after church with Michelle Green when she prayed with me about this issue of my low self-esteem. And I'd had prayer for this on a number of occasions. 
But this time she asked me to forgive that doctor who spoke those words over me and judged my weight and forgive anyone else whose words had affected me. Even more importantly, she asked me to repent of all of the negative things that I had said against myself because I bullied myself worse than any other person on this planet ever did. I had to forgive myself and from that time forwards I experienced a real shift. I honestly don't hate myself in the same way that I used to. I used to see those photos from the start of myself when I was young and be filled with shame but I don't feel shame anymore. That's just me. It's just a kid. And I can let go of that pain. So I really want to encourage you to pray. Get prayer here. Pray with someone. Pray in your own time. Get prayer ministry. Finally, how can we test and approve what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is for our lives? Well, the Bible is filled with it. The Bible, God requires that I do good works that he prepared in advance for me to do. He requires that I love him, love my neighbor, love mercy, love act justly and walk humbly with him. When we turn our focus away from ourselves and worldly standards of beauty and success, it becomes easier to let go of the negative mindsets that drag us down and focus on him. It's actually quite liberating to know that our worth in this life is not determined by worldly standards of beauty and success and that we can find purpose in living a life that pleases and honours our God. So is there any of this area of this message that resonates with you? Is there a mindset that you need to be freed from? Which of the steps from Romans chapter 12 verse 2 could you focus on? Is it rejecting worldly standards, transforming and renewing your mind through prayer and standing on God's truth? Or do you need to live according to God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will for your life? When we align ourselves with God's truth and live his way, we can experience real transformation, a renewing of our minds and find freedom from the lies that have weighed us down. Imagine the impact it would have on our world if we were all committed to establishing our identities in Jesus and what God says about us. This is my prayer for you today, that you would be encouraged by my journey and my transformation and that you too would know your worth in God's sight. Amen. Amen. Was that beautiful? Say three things. Mel talked about hearing God's voice. Dave talked about encountering Jesus, encountering Jesus because it brings transformation to us. And Hannah spoke about standing on God's word. I wonder which one of those three things stood out to you today. Which one of those things touched you? I only invite the prayer team to come forward. Come on, prayer team. Come forward now, please. And just as Hannah declared the testimony that when she prayed with my wife, Michelle, and Michelle got her to repent. You know, God did something. God did something powerful. Can you guys pray? You guys spoke. I want you to pray, yeah? Please. Um, that our God did something. And our God can do something right now in your life. Do you want to hear God's voice more clearly? These guys can pray. 
that God would open that up to you. You want transformation. You want an encounter with Jesus. Get Dave to pray with you today. Or if you're struggling with your self-image and you want to believe what God says about you from his word, come and get prayer. Hannah would love to pray with you or someone else can pray and ask God that when we pray that he will move by his spirit, that he would transform our hearts and our minds. He'll bring healing to our bodies and set us free. So we're going to sing. And as we sing, I invite you to come forward. Come forward and get prayer in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.